good to see all of you today. I hope you had an amazing Christmas and uh, enjoyed your friends and your families. And I tell you, I think I've seen every Christmas light that's out there. I've made so I went through Moon Valley. Boy, they have a lot going on over there in Moon Valley. If you haven't done Christmas lights, just get in your car, go around the Moon Valley area. Everyone almost in the neighborhood has um, lights up. It was so much fun. You can actually buy hot cocoa at one of the homes and walk. And so me and the girls did that Christmas Eve, I think. Anyway, I love you all so much. Welcome back to church. I saw online there was a lot of churches that didn't open their doors today, and I said, I just could not imagine not having church today. Amen. Just continuing on with what God's doing, and I'm just so glad that you're here and we're able to get away. So let me just pray over our service, and I'll release the word that God has. Amen. Father, I thank you today for everyone that did was able to make it into the church today, and those that are at home and are watching online and I ask Holy Spirit we know your anointing just transcends time and space and we just ask for your anointing today as we share your word God and Lord even as I'm preaching I know you're moving and healing and and restoring in such a supernatural way and I just thank you for that in Jesus name amen and amen thank you so much Alex all right well I'm excited because 2022 is almost here everybody how many are glad? I know we were rejoicing for 2021, but let's get really excited about 2022. Uh, God gave me a word for our particular church body. It's, it's the uh, awakening is the word that God gave us, that God's going to start awakening hearts, awakening minds, not just for a mini revival that will maybe come and go, but I'm talking about an awakening, eye-opening experience. How many are ready for God to just really do something special? Like, I am so ready for church to be what God wants it to be. And in the meantime, we'll be like Moses. God, Moses was afraid, and God said, well, what's in your hand, Moses? So, you know, when we're building the church, sometimes you just you do what's right in front of you. And as the Holy Spirit begins to change and move, we change and move with him. Amen. So I'm just really excited about what's coming up in this new year. We're going to be having an all-church conference, and we're going to be bringing in a couple's guest speakers for that. We're going to have a women's conference that we weren't able to do last year so there's some wonderful things that's really coming in 2022 and I can't wait to share more of that with you but my favorite thing that we do every year is our 21 days of prayer and fasting I love it it's my favorite thing we do and um, so I really want all of you to uh, ask the Lord what's your part to play in the fast you know and I know a lot of you fast social media and that's wonderful but biblically the fast is no food say no food the flesh has to feel it a little bit. And uh, so find something that you want to give up to the Lord, whether it's sweets or it doesn't have to be a full-blown, no food, you know, crawling through broken glass. But just ask the Holy Spirit. And that's why my, my message today is called Hunger and Thirst for Righteousness because I want us to get ready in this 21 days just to kind of reset our hearts and reposition what God wants from us. And so as you're going into this fast, just ask the Lord, what part do you want me to do? Maybe it's fast food only, maybe it's sugars, um, maybe it's sodas, and maybe there is a no food fast or once a meal or whatever you want to do. It's not about the no eating because God doesn't move because we don't eat. God moves because we get into faith. Faith moves the hand of God. But when you crucify the flesh, it gives you the ability to hear the Lord better. And when you hear God, faith is activated and now God can have miracles. So everybody say it's not the no food. You're crucifying your flesh with that. 
But during that time, you're going to hear what God has to say. So I say this every year. Get your notebook out. Get a new little fancy pen, however you want to do it. Set your schedule to say, you know what, on January 2nd, we're going to start it. I'm going to get up a little early. I'm going to get my coffee, right, because coffee is the will of God. Thank you, Denise. She remembered. Coffee is the will of God. He does have it in the Bible. It says he brews whatever, whatever. Where's my drummer? You've either heard it before or it was just that corny, which is true. But uh, so get your coffee, get your Bible out, you know, get your notebook out. And I know we do a lot of this, but let's just get our, our paper Bible out. And if you need a reading plan, we have stuff on the website. We've got how to fast, ways to fast, scriptures to read while you're fasting. And let's just determine to hear from God. Amen. And I usually every year write pages of what I'm believing God for, for me personally, and also for the church and what I believe God wants to do for Faith Builders Church. And so God always blows my mind every year. Wherever I put my faith out there, he always meets me. So let's take this as such a great opportunity to say, God, I'm going to do something for you in this fast. Um, some ways that I usually do it, I like to do like a three-day no-food fast, and then I add, go into a Daniel's fast. So again, it can be anything that you want to do, but let's do something. Amen. Let's say, God, I don't want to be where I'm at, but I came into the end of this year. I really want to see miracles in my life. I really want to hear the voice of God. I want to be emotionally somewhere different. I want my children to be somewhere different. I want my church to be somewhere different. Amen? We want lives to be changed in this city. And so, so let's go ahead and go on with my teaching. So it is called Hunger and Thirst for Righteousness. And I really want to talk about the importance of our homes and what takes place in our homes and with our families, those of you who still have young children, and, and really setting God to be the centerpiece of your home. You know, we, we want, how many want your families blessed? You want your children's blessed? You want to overflow in your life? And we preach that, but if we really look into our lives, unfortunately, we find so many homes and families that are not being blessed. And they don't have the joy of God. And they don't have the peace of God. And marriages are struggling, right? Children are going through difficult times. Maybe there's blended families and you all just want to kill each other because you're trying to figure out the dynamics. And so there are a lot of things that are happening in the homes that we're really not walking in the blessed life God has called our homes to walk in. Do you know, even being, I live at home obviously alone, and um, I have to have God as the center of my home. So it isn't just about the amount of people. The peace of God comes when Jesus is the centerpiece of our home. And the blessings of God and the peace of God comes when you really have Jesus a part of your Monday through Saturday. Amen. We're not going to just have Jesus on Sunday anymore. We're going to try to figure out a way to get him in our everyday life. And I'm going to help you with that this morning. Amen. So as we know, there's no perfect family. Amen. I mean, there are some people on Facebook that make their life look perfect. Like they've got seven kids and they act like they all get along. We know that ain't the truth. I know growing up and coming to church, we had the best fights on the way to church we could ever have. Kids kicking and screaming, you know, and, and so we can put on or people can put on this perfect family life, but that's just not reality, is it? So when I'm sharing this morning, I'm not talking about having the perfect life. 
because I grew up in a family that were very boisterous, and we all have very strong opinions, though, that know, know my family. And so we had some throwdown fights, and we could, we could shout and scream at each other. Matter of fact, my friends who weren't used to that were just like deers, you know, in a headlight. And they said, man, if our family fought like that, we wouldn't talk for years. And we'd fight, and we'd just be hugging each other and eating dinner, like, right afterwards, you know. So there's no perfect family. So it's not looking to have everything perfect, but it's looking to have God blessing your home. Because even in your mess, God can bless it. Amen. So if we look at the teachings in, in Matthew chapter 8, which we're not going to get in too much today, but God wants to prepare us to have Jesus in the center of our life. So let's look at Matthew 5 verse 6. And I love this scripture. It says, blessed, and these are the Beatitudes, but this is the one we're going to look at this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, hunger means I desire, and thirst is something that you want. So we hunger and desire for many things. And unfortunately, during the Christmas season, we have many things that we're hungering and thirsting for. We want our children to have the gifts, and we want all the perfect, making it just right. And I love memories. But in Scripture, if you really want God to bless your home, the Bible says to hunger, want, and desire for righteousness. See, if you really want that family unit blessed and you really want your children, if you're still rearing children, to grow up loving God and loving the church, it's going to be when Jesus is showing up in your home. When Jesus becomes your lifestyle, when Jesus becomes the culture of your life, not about being perfect, but Jesus is showing up. He is a voice in your life. He's present in your life. And your children See that, amen? Your family members see that. So he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they will be filled. See, all the things in life, and they're wonderful. God wants you to bless your children, and God wants you to have a beautiful home, and all of those things, but they don't fill us. They don't fulfill us. They don't make us happy. They don't meet that missing element. The only thing that can fulfill us is Jesus. Bringing him in Monday, bringing him in Tuesday. And I'll share a little bit, but it's not about being super religious. It's about being a natural flow of a relationship with Jesus in your home, amen? So you'll be filled with Jesus. And what happens as families, we're searching for other things to fill us. We're searching for other things to make our children happy. We're searching for other things to please us and to give us joy. And what we really need to do is search for Jesus. Because what's happening, we're searching for things that don't matter. And they're wonderful. The Bible says when we follow Jesus, the blessings follow me. So it's not about not having the blessings. Listen. But it's about searching for Jesus. Letting Jesus show up in your home. Letting Jesus show up in your vocabulary. Jesus showing up in your decisions in your life. And that's when God will begin to shift everything in your life. Amen. All right, so let's be honest here this morning, and nobody raise your hands or answer the question out loud, but in your home, what are you hungering for? In your home every day right now, you know, we can't look at this last couple weeks because we're Christmas shopping and obviously things we've been, you know, we've been on point doing that. But I'm talking about overall in our everyday lifestyle, what are we hungering for? I know when I was a children's uh, pastor many, many years ago, I actually wasn't a pastor, then a director, and I'd ask the kids a question. I'd be like, I'd say something spiritual, and every answer would be Jesus. 
You know, so I may say this morning, you know, what are you hungry for? Well, Jesus. You know, it's like, it's the Sunday school answer. I want more of Jesus. I'm here to please God. And maybe that's true. But if we really look through the week about what we're filling our life with, what we're reaching for, what we're longing for, is it really full of Jesus in our life? Or are we filling our life with the busyness of life, raising our children, going here and going there, and really not taking time in our life to allow Jesus to be all in my home and in my heart, amen? Where are we spending our time? Where are we spending our energy? I know when I was on staff full-time for a church and, and I was running my department as a youth pastor and, and I volunteered in other areas of the church because I, I thought that's the right thing. Even though I was getting paid, I felt like I should volunteer. So I volunteered in many areas and I, I worked out back then. I need to try to do that again. But I had a workout schedule. But you know what? I would take my calendar because it was busy and I would find out where am I going to put God on Monday? Where am I going to put God on Tuesday? Do I have to get up a little early on Monday to get in my word, to hear the voice of God? Am I going to have to stay up a little late on Tuesday to make sure I scheduled to make sure God was the priority of my life? Because even in ministry, this is not my relationship with God. Putting this message together is not my relationship with God. I'm talking about that intimacy where God is speaking to you and you are talking to God and God becomes the center and he begins to fulfill you and satisfy you, amen? When you're single and you feel lonely, when you put Jesus in the center, he fills you up in those lonely places. You can still have a desire for a helpmate, but there's nothing missing and nothing broken. Why? Because I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness. What area do you feel void in? What area does your life feel empty in? Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he will fill you. And in that fulfillment, he will give you the desires of your heart. But we think, oh, that would just make me happy. Oh, and then we get it, and what happens? I'm not happy, right? I'm really not fulfilled. So what are we looking at? What are, how are we living our everyday life and exerting our energy? Let's take the first 21 days of the year. You know, it only takes 21 days to make or break a habit. You know, and it's so easy to get out of this routine of really having this intimacy with God, reading our Bible, reading a book that's challenging you spiritually, writing in your devotional. Let's say, God, I'm going to take this fast, and I'm going to commit it to you, and it's going to crucify my flesh, and I'm not going to like it. But, you know, once you get into it day one, you start doing it day two, and you start building this, you know, excuse me, crucifying your flesh, all of a sudden what happens? You desire it. You wake up the third day, the fourth day. You can't wait to get back in the word, but you're going to have to take the first step of faith to say, Jesus, you're coming back into my home. You're coming back into intimacy with me. What does that mean? Into me, you see. Listen, when we're so busy, we're so busy, we cannot hear the voice of God. We want change. We wake up frustrated. We wake up angry. We wake up overwhelmed. But yet we won't slow down and change something in our lives to really hear what God has to say. So we have this opportunity to step into this moment in this coming fast to say, you know what, God, I'm going to reroute my life. I'm going to reroute my heart, and I'm going to expect something supernatural in those 21 days of prayer and fasting. Amen? So what do you realize when you don't have an appetite for something? So how many of you love pizza in here? 
Wow. Okay. How many of you love tacos in here? Burritos. I know we got some Latin people in the house. Right? There's a, there's a desire for that, those things. They taste so good. You know how they're savory and you love them. But, you know, how many of you ever went on a diet and you started eating right and you started cutting those things out of your life and you started changing and now you're eating the good things. And at first the good things don't taste good. You're like, give me my Oreo cookies. Give me my pizza back. Like, you want that savory of what you're familiar with. But once you get into that diet and you start getting rid of the junk food and you start eating the fruits and the vegetables, how many has ever done that? And then you go back and you open up a can of Coca-Cola after you've been eating good for a while. What happens? You're like, ugh, ugh, that is so sweet. It's too sweet. And you start eating the junk food. Oh, I don't desire that anymore. That's what this is going to take. you got to change your appetite. If you want change in your life, you got to change your appetite. Stop eating of the things that fulfilled you. Start eating the, stop eating the junk of the world and say, you know what, God? I'm going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to eat of your word. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to write in my journal to you. And it may be hard at first, but all of a sudden, you're going to start tasting and seeing that he is good. You're going to start feeling the presence and the joy of the Lord. All hell is breaking out, and you're like, I don't care. I've got the peace of God, and I know God has it all under control. But if you don't like something, you've got to change your appetite. Amen? And then when, when the enemy comes and he tries, tries to lure you back into that garbage, you're like, I don't like that anymore. Because now I've tasted, and I pursued this relationship with God once again in my life. Amen? When you start seeking God and you start pursuing him, what happens? You long for more of him. You long for more of his presence and his voice, and you no longer want the junk of the world anymore, but you're longing for the fulfillment and the satisfaction for Jesus. Amen? So let me share with you quickly this morning what doesn't work. What doesn't work when you're pursuing Jesus? And number one is this, is legalistic Christianity. It's so easy when we go, well, my house is going to serve Jesus. We're going to stop doing this. We're going to stop doing that. And we're going to do this. And it becomes as do's and don'ts and cans and can'ts. And we can't live up to the law. And you can't put your children under the law. Because all it will do is when you get into legalism, it will push your children into rebellion. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. And I'm grown and love Jesus. Right, so we don't want to get into a legal, well, we're going to start changing that. All of a sudden, your whole household is topsy-turvy, and everybody's like, wait, what the heck just happened? No, because you can't sustain living in the law. All of those do's and don'ts will come through the relationship with Jesus later. God will begin to change us. He'll change your appetite. He'll change your desires for things, but don't get into the law over it. Jesus came, and what did he do? He fulfilled the law. Amen? And then what happens is if you allow legalism, it will push you into secret sin. You'd be like, I'm going to put on Facebook. God said, no more rated R movies because those are the devil. Well, a lot of them are. They're awful. But I'm just saying, you have this revelation from God, and all of a sudden you wake up two weeks later like, man, that movie looks really good. So you like put a hat on and you're tiptoeing into the movie theater. It's secret sin. You don't want to put yourself in that bondage. You have a relationship with Jesus. And if he convicts you, you respond. And you say, yes, Lord, I will listen to you, but I'm not going to put my family and my life in these legalistic bondage. What was that saying? Don't, I think I wrote it down. Don't drink and smoke and chew and run with kids who do. 
<laughs> like back in the day. Now, again, are those good first and healthy? No, they're not. But it's not for you to put it in this box. Because if you do fall, and you do fall short, and we will, because all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. But that's not in my relationship with Jesus when I fall. So don't get in the law. Don't get legalistic, right? Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Why do you think pastor's kids were the worst kids? Worst kids. Because we tell you better live perfect, kids, and you better look a certain way, and don't do this, and don't embarrass me. And we put them in this box, and they're just like, ah. And they go off, and they live like the devil because they don't want restraints, amen? Who likes restraints? Nobody does. We all want a freedom of choice, amen? Number two is lukewarm Christianity. So it's the other flip of the coin. Being lukewarm, you know, believing in God, but really he doesn't show up in your home at all. Believing that he doesn't exist, but there's no culture of Christianity in my home. There's no culture of Jesus in my vocabulary, in my stories, and what's going on in my life. We just maybe just show up for Sunday, but there's no passion for God in my life. Amen. You can even be giving to God, but there's no passion for Jesus during the week. There's a lukewarmness that has hit your heart. Now listen, I can't judge where you're at. I am not the judge. Thank God I don't sit on the throne and judge you all. But I want to point out some things that maybe can indicate your Christian walk in your home and what you're doing personally and if you're raising children, putting on display. And if you haven't had children yet, this is such an important revelation to have in your home. I would not be serving Jesus today if this wasn't the display that went on in my home, what I'm going to share with you. Because it wasn't looking at my parents at being perfect. It was that Jesus was a part of our everyday. It, it was common. It was the culture of our family that we served Jesus. It wasn't about my parents saying, don't do this and don't do that. It was about showing them who they are and who Jesus is. And I followed Jesus because of what they did. It wasn't what they said, it's what they did. Amen? So let's look at some things that can help you bring Jesus into your children's life and into your everyday. Number one is, do you pray together as a family? And I don't mean just sit down religiously, but I mean in a moment, say, you know what, we're going to take time and we're going to pray for people who are sick today. You know, let's just pray for, you know, whoever's sick in our family. Let's pray for a miracle to happen. Or when your children have a fever, is that the first response to say, in the name of Jesus? You know, and that's the first response is we're going to pray and ask Jesus to touch your body. I know we were sharing stories uh, this week over Christmas, Quinn and I and Maya, and they were in my home, as you know, when Maya was little. And Maya had this horrible fever, and she was um, sick in her bed. And I just went in there, and Quinn and I, we laid hands on her. We cursed that fever in the name of Jesus. Leave her body. And, and I know God touched her, and that, that fever dried up instantly. And she goes, well, I got a test tomorrow. I said, well, you'll be at school tomorrow, honey, because Jesus healed you today. And guess what? She got up the heel of the Lord and went and took her test. Amen. She didn't say she was sick. She really was sick. Same thing happened with Quinn. Let that be our first response. Let our children know that you lay hands on the sick. Amen. Why would we do it for others when we don't even do it for our own family members? Lay hands on your aunts and uncles. If they're sick, say, can I pray for you? I have said that so many times in my life, walking through the hospital or people in, when I'm shopping, not one person has ever told me no. Well, one guy, the cancer guy from Beloit. But otherwise, never. People want healing and hope. Don't be afraid, amen? The gifts of the Spirit should be used on your family members first. 
Amen? Your children should hear you laying hands on those cars, calling that car to work in Jesus' name. Why? Because miracles, kids need to see those miracles happening. Amen? Praying for those who are lost. Praying for God to direct you. Like, you know, let's pray as a family for God to lead our family this year. You know, we want God to lead us in our comings and in our goings. How about sharing a scripture verse? Just, hey, God was speaking to me. I was reading that this week, and you share a scripture verse with your family members or with your children or what God spoke to you. I know when I would wake up every morning, my dad was always the first one up. He had his cup of coffee in the living room, and he was always reading his Bible. And that spoke so much to me as a little kid, you know, coming out of the bedroom. I didn't know how much it impacted me until I got older and go, oh, that's how you serve Jesus. Oh, that's how you hear from God, because I saw it on display. Now, again, remember, it's not legalism, so don't get hurt. I'm trying to help you implement some ways that can bring Jesus and that passion back to God in your life. Have you shared your faith with someone? You know, maybe you shared your faith uh, shopping or at the gym, and you come home, and you say, boy, this is what I did today, and this is how God touched that person's life. And what happens? It becomes a part of who you are as a family. It's not just they hear Jesus on Sunday. No, they're going to hear bits and pieces throughout the whole week because I'm putting this Jesus that I serve on display every day. Amen? Your children will see you investing time to serve. Your family members will see you serving in the local church. You think that doesn't impact them? They see Jesus when they see you serving, amen? And that's why we do Christmas Eve on Eve Eve, so that on Christmas Eve you can go be with your family members who don't know the Lord. But you come to, with your family, and you're sitting in that service, and you're lighting that candle. It puts Jesus on display for your family and for your children, amen? How about leading them out of things that, an example of things that are harmful to their faith? Being that leader and saying no to things that just are harmful to your walk with Christ. I know when I was, um, um, I went to a movie theater, I was with some friends, and we saw a movie. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before, and I've done it many times. But this one particular movie was just horrible. It was like shocking horrible. And while the movie's on, I kept going, oh my God. Like I was just like shocked by what was on the screen. And, I, and two or three times that happened, and I finally told my friends, I'm like, we're out of here. Like, we're out of here. I don't want, as a Christian woman of God, to be sitting in this kind of junk. It wasn't to be religious. It wasn't to be put on a display. But my spirit was grieved in something that I'm going to lead my life out of a situation that's harmful to me. And we've done that with Samaya. I took her to a movie, and I said, we are out of here, girl, because it had all kind of satanic stuff and sorcery, and it was supposed to be a cartoon, and it was like full-on devil sorcery, um, like a seance. And I said, oh, no, Maya, we don't believe in this. We love Jesus, and we're not going to let the devil come in our life, and we marched right out and got our money back. You can't be afraid to lead your children away from things that bring harm and danger to them. It's not being religious. It's protecting the eye gate. It's protecting the ear gate. You never know what spirit will try to get on you and your family just by watching those things. So if something grieves your spirit, get out. And I tell you what, it was so funny because I did scream a couple times, and I didn't mean to, but I finally got up with my friends, and we just snuck out. I was just trying to sneak out, and this guy from the back goes, the scene's almost over with, lady. And I was like, oh, that's all it took. I was like, this movie is horrible. Like, I literally started screaming at the whole audience and my finger, this is awful, and you all shouldn't have your children in here. And of course, I marched out. But you got to have a righteous anger. 
when it comes to your family and your children, don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to leave relationships that are leading you down a road that is not who God wants you to. You love them. You don't, you don't abandon them. But you also say we're not going to attach our life to people who have a lifestyle that's going to take you away from Jesus. Amen? You can win them to Jesus. You can love them. But you know the best way to win your friends to Jesus is to show Jesus in your life. Have a standard of righteousness. We have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be willing to eliminate the stuff of your life. And don't be afraid of being the bad cop. Don't be afraid of that. As long as you have a loving heart and you're not being legalistic, your family, your friends will know the difference. Amen? But don't be afraid. Again, I'm serving Jesus today because of a family that didn't care what I thought at the time. They were going to have Jesus the center of our home. And if we went kicking and screaming the entire way, we did it. Amen? Hallelujah. So share ways that God has blessed your life. You understand what I'm saying? Bring Jesus into your home. Lukewarmness doesn't work. The Bible says that if you're lukewarm, what's he going to do? It's going to spew you out of his mouth anyway. So don't be legalistic and don't be lukewarm, right? We've got to find this place in this middle. So what does work? Let's look at this quickly this morning. I have a quote up on the screen. It says, we are not just a Christian family. Instead, we are a Christ-centered home. What works? I'm not just a Christian family. I don't just know Jesus and I bring my kids to church or whatever it is. I have a Christ-centered home. Amen. I'm going to make Jesus a part of everything that we do. Not super religious, but in moments that I can let Jesus shine in my home. Amen. Husbands and wives, share the scripture verses that God has given you. Pray together. You know, not just over dinner, but take five minutes and pray with each other. I'm telling you, your whole life will change. Your whole life would change. And what a powerful thing for your children and family to see. Amen? All right. So Jesus is not just a part of our lives. He is the center of our lives. If you look at Scripture in the Beatitudes, it didn't say, blessed are those who it's convenient for them. No, I'm sorry. You can tuck your toes on a little bit. It's not about convenience, is it? It's about really making Jesus a priority of my life. All right, so I love the way that David said this in Psalms, verse 6, chapter 63. It says this, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Why do we do it? Earnestly, I seek God. Why? Because he is my God. We thirst, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. I think all of us, including myself, need to come back to this place where there's this longing for God, amen, where there's this thirsting for God and his word and, and that intimacy. And we've been so busied by the world and busied by or distracted by tragedy that there's this longing that's missing. And listen, you can't make that longing happen. You can't make it. Like I've come through it and prayed like, oh, God, I just want a passionate moment. You can't make it happen. But I'm going to position myself for it to happen. Amen? I'm going to position myself because God will begin to awaken you again. He'll bring back that first love again. He'll bring back that desire for his word and for relationship with him. Amen? So let's go. Um, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water, where there's no satisfaction in life. Jesus comes and he satisfies us. 
I want to look at it. We're going to personalize this scripture verse, and it says this. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, this is for your family, earnestly we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Isn't that beautiful? You could take the same verse and say, my whole family's going to come along with this. So why are we empty? Why do we find ourselves falling short? I want to look at this. It says, help your family. How do we do that? Help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. If you want to have a Christ-centered home, help your family see God as a loving, approachable, and involved God. Amen. That he's not some God that you have to follow rules and regulations. Amen. He's the God that we can come to at any time. Show them that you can come to God when you're hurting. You can come to God when you're broken. You can come to God and pray. Let them know that God is approachable. Create that environment. I know even with Samaya, I was so blessed to help be a part of her life and, and, and nurture her spiritually with her mom. And we always would, Maya, if she was sick, we're going to pray for you. Or we're going to pray for the loved ones, right? Allowing them, Maya, you can come and talk to us about anything. You know, anything that you see at school, anything that you hear in the world, ask us first. You know, letting her know that you can come and it's safe and we can go to God and there's no shame in anything. And there's something she'd come from school and she's like, Gigi, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. And then she'd tell me something she learned in school. And the hair on my neck would go, Gee. like, oh my gosh, the things that now I have to have this conversation with her. But you know what? It's approachable. And we can go to God and we can talk about what she's hurting about and, and what she's struggling with. And we bring her to God and pray with her. And she learns God is safe and it's approachable and it's going to be okay. So how do we do that? Three ways to create a hunger for God. And we've talked about this a little bit. But number one, involve God in your daily conversations. Amen. Talk about anything about God. When you're driving down the road, just say, boy, isn't God so good? What a beautiful day. Thank you, Jesus, for this day that you've given us. Isn't God good that he gave us a beautiful day? You're allowing this conversation to be normal in your life. Amen. Something that my sister-in-law always did with her children is it's like, well, we got to go to church today. Kids, we got to go to church. We got to serve. We got to show up early. My sister-in-law said, guess what? We get to go to church today. Wow, we get to go early and we get to serve today. It's not I got to, I get to. Why? Because you're teaching your family and your home that we're blessed by God because we get to do something from God, amen? It's not a chore. It's an honor to do things for God, amen? It becomes normal in your life. Number two, make church non-negotiable. Oh, if I could just engrave this somewhere for every family unit Make church non-negotiable. Sunday morning is the house of the Lord. It's not about legalism, but it's about saying my priority in my home is we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. It was never a question in our home, are we going to church on Sunday? It was like we're getting up on Sunday if it's raining, if it's snowing, whatever it is, and we're getting to the house of God. And because my parents were faithful that church was non-negotiable, guess what? When I turned 17 and got in touch with God, church was non-negotiable. I went to church every Sunday at 17 years old. Nobody had to make me. I knew that that was important in my life. And I served young. And I served in the children's department. I learned to teach. And I got a community of friends at 17. How many know your teenagers need Christian friends at 17? Because the world ain't going to offer good Christian friends. Amen? 
but God gave me Christian friends and rescued me from the world. Make church a non-negotiable. And I tell you, the devil will hit the hardest every time the church doors are open because he will try hard to keep the families out of the church of God because there's healing and there's deliverance and there's freedom when we come together to worship God. I heard this story, and I hope she doesn't mind telling me telling it. I won't tell it in big detail, but it gave me a, a fresh perspective of the power of preaching God's word. She was saying that in one of our school of ministry classes, the pastor was preaching on a certain area, and it was strongholds in people's lives. And as she was sitting there uh, studying or hearing, she saw everybody stand up in the class. And she thought, oh, everybody's standing up. I wonder why. And she looked over, and her husband wasn't standing up, and she's like, Gosh, I could have swore nobody was standing up. She's like, I could have swore I saw people standing up. Well, what happened in the spirit as this preacher was sharing this struggle or this certain area that people can find freedom in, the strongholds, actually she saw these figures, spirits come up off of these people, and there was a rising of a demonic spirit. I'm not saying possession, oppression, whatever it is, the struggle, but it actually as he preached the word, those spirits had to get up, and she said they just left the room. That's the power of God's word. There are things that we are struggling with, and it doesn't have to be in worship. It could be right now. You never know that moment when you're at church that the word of God or worship, the enemy is that thing that's tormenting you and frustrating you, has to go in the presence of God. And I have learned the one time that I decide to stay away or, or not go is the one moment God was about to show up supernaturally in my life. So you fight through even harder, amen, to say church is non-negotiable. And there's those times, I know your kids are sick. You guys know, I already said it, right? No legalism. I'm just talking about the heart. Church is non-negotiable. Number three, and this is the most important thing. Show how seeking and serving God is fun. Make it fun for your family, amen? When I was a youth pastor, I, um, I was a little older youth pastor, but I would take our kids on mission trips. We went to L.A. Dream Center. We, did, we went to Costa Rica. We went many places, and we served hard for God. And I love it. We laid hands on the sick, and we really saw people get set free of demons, and we really had these great encounters. But you know what? As soon as I'd get them back on the bus, we would go somewhere and do something fun. We would go climb a mountain, and, and we would go, you know, whatever. I don't remember what we did, but we did fun things because I wanted the kids to learn that you don't have to die for Jesus. Like, you can serve God and still have fun. You know, you can come to church and still go have a good time with your family. God is about balance. If you make it so rigid and so religious, kids don't understand that, amen? Serving God is fun. When we leave serving here, you walk up so joyful. I had one of the ladies that were helping strategize doing our event out there. She said, thank you, Pastor Barb, for this. I woke up so happy today. Why? Because serving God is fun. Amen. Show them the balance of how wonderful serving God can be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. I've gone through all of that. Let me just close in this scripture verse says this in Joshua 24, 15. Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. We will serve the Lord. This coming year in the, in the kingdom and in this church is going to be so amazing. This church is going to have so much fun. We're going to bond together. We're going to grow together. We're going to see healings and deliverances, and it's going to be such a special time. But let's get our homes back together, amen? 
Let's get that intimacy back with Jesus once again. Let's get that passion stirred up in our hearts once again. And let's just get ready for what God has to do. And there may be some things that you just got to let go. Let go. Let go of the places God didn't show up in your life. Let go of the disappointments, whatever it is. Just give that to the Lord, amen? And by faith, like I think it was um, Christmas Eve I taught, you know, faith forward. Put faith forward. Move by faith in this new year and say, God, I'm going to put my faith out there for you to do something special in my life. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, amazing leaders, all that you're doing. I thank you for the faithfulness in this house, Lord God. And I ask Jesus, as we come into this new year of 2022, that Holy Spirit, you would draw us. God, we're going to take the first 21 days and we're going to give it to you, God. And we're going to have ears to hear what your spirit has to say, God. We're going to have an obedient heart and we're going to be willing to crucify our flesh so that we can see the fullness of you in our life, Lord God. And Lord, I pray this morning that you break off the burdens of the past. Break off the burdens of yesterday, God, that, Lord, as we go into this new year, we are not going to take with us what we took on this year, but we're going to let it go. We're going to let you be God. We're going to let you be the center of our homes and of our lives. Bless every home. Bless every family unit, God. Let peace and joy and flood them, Lord God. Move in a way that only your Holy Spirit can truly move in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. <laughs> Pastor Paul and Pastor Jenny are home today. Their eldest son, Jacob, is, is, is really sick. So if you could be lifting up in prayer, thank God it's no COVID. Thank you, Jesus. But they are taking care of him, and they were home to make sure we were all safe. Amen. So I'm going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, everybody. Thank you for remaining faithful. Thank you for being obedient with your tithes and offerings. Listen, Faith Builders is doing many awesome things for God. You don't know it, but we help single mothers. We help small families. We are constantly blessing throughout the entire year. And so because of your giving, we are able to do that. So let's continue to stay faithful. Amen. Let's continue to stay obedient because the work of God is just beginning for Phoenix, Arizona. This church is just beginning for what God has. Amen. So let's not pause the work of God. Let's continue to push it forward by our faithfulness and our giving. Amen. So let's just receive this offering. Father, I thank you today for the faithfulness of your givers. Lord, big, small, doesn't matter, God, but the faithfulness as we begin to push this church forward and what you've called it to do and be in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Let's receive this offering. <laughs>